0: So my definition of marketing is it's just a way of running a business with putting the consumer and the consumer needs first.
1: Welcome to Branding Over Wine, an exclusive podcast by Branding Mag. I'm Martin Shearer and I'm super excited to be sharing some great conversations with our personal marketing branding heroes. Today we're talking to Theo van Uffelen, CMO of Yakult, a global Japanese probiotic giant. Theo has developed a unique skill set of not only building successful brands, but also transforming marketing organizations to deliver those successful brands, combining external and internal behavioral change. Apart from that, we'll be talking about the role of purpose in marketing. When we think of purpose-driven organizations, we often think of companies such as Patagonia or Unilever. However, Yakut proves that also Asian companies can be strongly purpose-focused. Yakut was specifically founded to bring probiotics and gut health to the world all the way back in 1935. It is a purpose-driven company avant la lettre. And we'll be looking at what we can learn from that. So welcome, Theo. Well Theo I'm very happy to have you here as happy we have talked here. a lot of we've talked a lot of times together and what impressed me most is this combination that you have of one looking at organizational change and at marketing and how to develop the organization to deliver on the brand so it's not just marketing branding on the outside but it is delivering on the inside and I think there are very few that have this combined skill sets and this experience of building brands and building the organization to help deliver brands. Actually, the step before building the brands. So, welcome, Theo. Happy to have you on the show. Thanks for having me, and thanks
0: for this uh, this great uh, intro. Uh, it's very flattering, and if I listen to it, I'm also struck by the idea that, it honestly, it's a little bit of a coincidence that these two areas became my like, two professional loves. So, marketing I had already in me, I think, since I was a little boy, or marketing everything that has to do with business and and, and branding and advertising stuff like you uh, like you said I think the second part this, so I ran into my second professional love organizational organization building or culture building in one of the first companies that I worked for where the culture was a bit of a mess and we uh, there was there was a conscious process needed to build a more effective company and then I found out actually these two processes are quite similar in the sense that it is about positioning. It's it is about creating a vision going forward. It is about communication. So they are they are different, but they're not that dissimilar in 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 the way that the process works.
1: That's so fascinating. You say that. So, um, what makes these two processes similar? I
0: think because it's about influencing people. So, uh, marketing uh, hmm. and and branding and advertising within that is one of its objectives is to influence. The outside world to have a specific relationship with your product and mm-hmm. get them to buy and be loyal, etc. Uh, I think if you look at internal culture building, it's also about influencing people's behavior, how they collaborate with each other, how they become proactive and not remain reactive and waiting for stuff to happen, but become entrepreneurial. So it's about people. That's one. I think another similarity is that it's very helpful if you have a clear vision on what you want to stand for, what you want to be. It's very relevant for a brand and that can translate itself then to product development, all the other marketing piece, but it's also very relevant for a company that you know, what are your values as a company? Uh, what do you want to stand for? What's the difference that you want to make in the lives of people or in society? Uh, and the funny thing is then the next step is, okay, how do you communicate? How do you position that? Mm-hmm. Um, and that then translate into all kinds of mechanisms or, Communication programs, I think the main difference is that if you do this in an organizational context, then the mechanisms to which you want to translate it are HR type of mechanisms, like your recruitment process, your appraisal process, the way that you train for feedback, the way that you do leadership development. So these are all sort of internal manifestations. And if you do that on marketing to the outside world, you talk about uh, what kind of product should I have, uh, how do I want to my channel strategy to be, what kind of brands, uh, how does that communicate to, uh, uh, to specific uh, communication assets, etc.? So it's more the, the way of applying the principles is different to the inside and to the outside, but the principles themselves, having a vision, translating that into, uh, into positioning, translating that into concrete mechanisms and working together, it's not that dissimilar
1: just before the show I had a discussion with a colleague of mine and we're talking about corporate branding and uh, consumer branding and now we all know the large companies such as Unilever but also uh, other companies that have been formed more recently and are buying brands together can you have a different corporate brand than a consumer brand or should that be the same?
0: I think the overlap especially for companies whose main product is also the, the, the company's brand. So like Coca-Cola or yeah. Yakult for that matter. Uh, there has to be a large degree of similarity because most of the time that was the founding product that the company was built on. And a lot of the principles that were, that were uh, sort of poured into that brand also were the principles that built the company. Uh, so yes, for, 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 um, one-brand companies uh, or dominantly one-brand companies that is I think logically the case and you could argue is coca-cola a dominantly one-brand company on the one hand it is because by far coca-cola is the biggest brand in the coca-cola portfolio but they do have all these other brands and all these other categories as well um, um, if you look at a house of brands <clears throat> like for instance Unilever is or and Gamble is so you have multiple brands in one house uh, you actually have a different Corporate positioning, then, then what is the sum of the individual brands? Although also there, there is a clear, uh, there is a clear connection. If you look at Unilever, uh, company of which I was uh, uh, lucky enough to be a part of for for some time, you see a clear connection between what Unilever stands for as a company in terms of we want to to add to vitality in the world. We want to. That's so true. Uh, uh, We we want to take our social responsibility. That has been translated to all the brands separately and all the brands have sort of been been allocated, been given the assignment, okay, what is it that you as a brand could deliver as a societal advantage and is still in line with your separate brand positioning? So Dove has a different social responsibility or takes up a different social responsibility than, for instance, Ben & Jerry's. or uh, uh, or ask for that matter. So that's the interesting part there, that there is a connection. So it's all about what difference can we make for society in an authentic way. On a unilever corporate level, that's translated into their sustainable plan, etc. But they also translate it to their separate brands. But this is a long answer to a short question. Sorry for uh, uh, uh,
1: Theo, don't worry. That's exactly why we're here. And okay. these are really interesting touch points to think about. And also, you know, when you have a corporate brand, I mean, the first touch point of a corporate brand is still your consumer brand. And especially when you have a brand yeah. such as Yakult, which you, of course, know uh, better than yeah. anybody uh, by now but also Coke. And again, also, let's say that even in a house of brands, as you rightly suggested, there is a relationship between the sum of the brands and the mother brands. They cannot go against each other and their core values. Yeah, If you
0: do it right. I mean, there's probably also uh, uh,
1: examples where it's
0: not so much aligned, but I think Unilever is a class A example of how to, do, how to do things right in terms of marketing and branding. Uh, and, and they have their ducks in a row in that sense. And, and the interesting thing is that we talked a little bit about authenticity already. Mm-hmm. Say that Unilever, already before, already before even Paul Polman sort of, sort of got on board, uh, was a, a, a company which has very much the uh, uh, well-being of society in mind. Uh, Paul Polman just made it more concrete and put objectives against it. So even before uh, uh, Pullman entered the stage, that was something that you could recognize in Unilever's behavior, and even in the brand's behavior, uh, when back then Base was was still a part of the portfolio, that already clearly had clear objectives and clear ambition in having a footprint towards society which improves lives. I and mean, I'm not talking about carbon footprint before, so sort the fingerprint that they leave on the planet, we want the planet to be a better place because of our product. Uh, And I think with the recent, not so recent, but with when Hanneke Faber joined the company, she added an extra layer on top of that saying uh, basically every brand that we have should be sort of an activist brand. So it should be active in uh, taking a stance in how can we improve our society with our brand? And how do we make that concrete in our products, in our communication, in, in, in our logistics, in our carbon
1: footprint? And now, that is almost the same as with Yakult. Because if there is an activist brand that doesn't call itself an activist brand, and if it is a, a, a purpose brand or vision brand avant la lettre, it must be Yakult. Can you say something yes. about that?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's nice that you mentioned. That's also something that I, uh, well, not found out, but was more made aware of or, or became aware of when I, uh, when I joined Yakult uh, nearly a year ago. Um, because the interesting thing at that moment, we were working on symposium about what is the, the role that brands could take, what's the responsibility that your brand could take from the uh, from the principle of if you have power, then you also have a responsibility to use that power in a, in a good way. Sort of the, the Spider-Man principle, you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, um, in my role of board member of the uh, Advertising Association, in the Netherlands, we were working on a symposium, but, and it was all about purpose, and you should be with purpose, power. Um, but the funny thing is that um, Yakult was driven by a purpose from day one, uh, and that day one was back in 1935. Uh, and, and so thinking about purpose didn't even exist at that moment, uh, or not, not in that way, or not with that sort of emphasis. But the founder of Yakult, that was a, a Dr. Shirota, he was driven by the he was a he was a microbiologist and a medical doctor he was driven by the fact that in his surroundings so in his immediate environment there was a lot of uh, uh, disease and a lot of unhealthy situations a lot of childhood disease. so he was driven by that situation to find out what can i do with my knowledge my microbiology knowledge to make a contribution to get a better life situation for the people here uh, immediately around me. That was what drove him to come up with how bacteria can help the human body to have a better immunity system and to have a better sort of quality of life uh, in every sense. That was what drove him to make a consumer product. So that was funny because he didn't intend to create a company. He was more driven by, I see this needed society. I want to contribute. My skill is microbiology. I am gonna find a solution that can, that can help. And, and not as an afterthought, but not as a primary objective, he created a product around it. So he was driven by, how can I help? And he find out, found out that the best way for him to help with his skills is to find that particular bacteria strain that has specific properties and can help uh, people have a healthy gut. And you have to know that in the, Asia, in the Asian wisdom, uh, there's a saying that says uh, a healthy uh, gut is the, is the basis for a healthy life. There's even a Japanese term for that, Kenshu Chogyo. Um So he was very much focused on that. And uh, he said, what's the best way for me to deliver those bacteria into the gut? Actually, that is a drink. And that is a drink that is pleasurable to drink. That is a drink that is, uh, uh, that is easygoing. And, and that's how he created the product around that purpose of how can I deliver something to people in an easygoing way uh, that they find enjoyable, is low threshold. And that, that's how basically what the, what the building blocks of the Yakult product was. So that's why it is a, a dairy product because it's easy uh, uh, for people to uh, to imbibe. That's why it has a certain taste because it has to be sweet. So the, 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 uh, the lactic acid bacteria that's in the, that are in the pro- product, are actually a little bit acid so the, the original taste is not really nice so you have to mask that with sweetness that's why it has a sweet taste. Um, and, then,
1: and if we look at, let's say at the, uh, at the marketing of Yakult which of course uh, is uh, your responsibility and your, uh, yeah. uh, your kingdom within the kingdom if you will, um, is that used? Because when I look at Yakult and we look at the communication of Yakult I see many things, but I'm not quite sure if I see this purpose-driven company in the advertising and in the commercials, but perhaps they didn't look good enough.
0: Um, that's, it's interesting that you say that, because actually, I think that's one of the reasons what makes it authentic, because uh, there's a, there, one of the traits in Japanese culture or Japanese way of living is humility and, and uh, having a servant uh, uh, mindset. So it's not about you know climbing on the roof and saying hey look at me being your 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 benefactor uh, it's more about we have a great product uh, so that's that's the that's the one part so it, it's never been part of the explicit communication of we are cool we are so purpose driven no it's the belief is more don't shout it just do it and then people will recognize it and they will uh, they will appreciate it for you Um, What what we've recently done is that we have looked at, hey, can we augment the the message that we have around product also with our intention? So we are a little bit more explicit now in talking about we are on a mission as a company. Uh, But it's not talking about purpose more as we are on a mission uh, to be more explicit about the mission that we have with our product, the mission that we have with our company, the mission that our bacteria have to reach your gut and there do good things uh, uh, for your health, etc.
1: That is indeed interesting. You, you see this more often is that there are many companies that actually have this purpose-driven them, but are only now starting to communicate this. And you actually have also a lot of, let's say, companies that start now to communicate it and they lack the authenticity to be credible yeah. in the markets.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and you could also argue to what extent consumers, so everyday consumers, are really motivated to buy your product because you are on a mission. Or because you have, maybe that's that's almost uh, that's very nice of you. But what does the product do for me? So so you will always have to talk about uh, the benefits that your product offers. And I think that that consumers are more and more aware because society is getting more and more transparent that there's a company behind the product. And even if the product is good, if the company has bad intentions or a bad ethical behavior, they will not want to buy into that or or associate with. It. So. People are getting much more critical um, and much more aware of the fact that behind a good product or an interesting product can be a, uh, a company with bad motives. But I think a company being a company with good motives doesn't necessarily, uh, how do you say that, make you a preferred partner if, if your product is bad or if your product is
1: not relevant. Before. In, indeed. I mean, it, it also depends on your target audience. Uh, yeah. but it's, it's almost becoming a hygiene factor. And for some target audiences, we, we've talked about this before, more, let's say, the more yeah. the uh, experience-driven um, uh, target audiences, for them it is more important than, let's say, for other, let's say, work hard, play hard target audiences. Yeah. Yep.
0: The, um, uh, I think that's true. I think that's true. <laughs>
1: To come a little bit to uh, before the delivering of the brand, because that I found so fascinating reading your, your background is, let's say, um, about marketing. So when you build a marketing organization, there was a lot of talk about uh, how marketing has changed. And of course, you've been uh, in the field for a long time. You started at, at, at Unilever and Coke and then made a big transformational impact in uh, in Aegon, a very large, large Dutch financial uh, player. When you look at the back, how has marketing changed, or has it not changed that much?
0: Yeah, that, that is really an interesting question. It's, it, it's, a, it's a little bit my hobby horse because there's been a lot of debate about oh, look at the look at the how the craft has changed and it's so different, and we now have so many types of marketing. And most of the time, I usually say I don't think that the essence of the uh, of our craft has changed that much. The manifestation of it has changed because there's so many more. Sources of market research, or sources of of you know, being able to uh, understand what consumers do are doing, what the markets are doing. But it's still about understanding. So so when I started uh, my career, and that was like 30, 35 years ago, we had uh, Nielsen figures, and they came uh, they came uh, every two months, So can you imagine that? So, so you have. You have your feedback from the market you had your market share every two months a person from Nielsen came over to the company and they had a, a big slide deck and you then presented out oh, this is your market share so your feedback loop was two months so between something that you're doing or something that's 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 happening and and then you're getting the, the, the data nowadays you can just punch a button you refresh your dashboard and you have new data um, uh, so the way that we that we understand has changed but the principle of understanding is the cornerstone is the foundation of doing good marketing has not changed so my my philosophy is no the, the craft of marketing has not changed in essence and it's still a very simple very simple craft you only have to to master four things and then you can be a good marketer
1: i uh, i like that how so because uh, i'm always drowned in complexity so someone that can bring it down to four steps is more than welcome please a go more. ahead
0: My logic is a good marketeer only needs to be able to do four things. So, first one is understand, uh, the first thing is understanding. So, Mm -hmm. uh, you need to be able as a marketeer to understand what drives consumers, to understand what are the market mechanisms that are at work. So, you can can sort of divvy that up in in, in maybe a more rational and more emotional competence. So, Mm -hmm. understanding as a good marketeer, you need to be able to analyze. So, you need to love data, you need to be able to work with a lot of data, create charts, uh, have insights in that. That's the sort of the rational part and the the more emotional part of the more soft part. You need to be curious about what drives a human being in decision making. So what are the psychological mechanisms? But still, it's understanding. That's step one. Step two is then translating. Translating that understanding into something that can create value. So an idea that can be a strategy. That's more, again, the business type of uh, Mm -hmm. rational type of, of, uh, of translating. Uh, or it can be a concept. It can be an, uh, a product idea. It can be a campaign idea. But it starts with understanding what drives consumers or what drives markets. then sector competence: How do I translate that into a mental model that is then uh, uh, simplifies the way that the market works and therefore clarifies? Ah, these are the three steps that we need to do to be more successful. It's a sort of a conceptual creativity. Uh, and then the third thing that you need to do as a marketer is is if you have that idea built on that understanding realize it execute it together with your colleagues so that's more uh, a capacity or capability of being able to work well together uh, and also that you can more break down you can break down into more rational and more emotional type of uh, capabilities i think the sort of the the the, the rational left brain part is you know, just being able to do project management, to, do, to build a proper Gantt chart, to work, you know, yeah. consistently and, and, and methodically together in getting things done. Uh, and the more soft part could be organizational sensitivity. Know what, you know, who stakeholders to inform and, and how, know who to influence, etc. That's a more soft skill list. And then the fourth part, so after understanding, translating, executing, is storytelling. It's, it's about being able, to tell a compelling story, both in the boardroom, and that's more a business story, so that's more the hard skill of, you know, being able to present a business case with the numbers and, and the logic, uh, but also storytelling that reaches the heart of the consumers. So that's more like, more the creativity part in what kind of branding message should I have? What kind of benefit message should I have? What kind of uh, mechanism should I use to touch people's hearts and emotions? Uh, um, and, and to sort of to, to tell the right stories or to have people tell the right stories. So to either direct or kickstart or judge creative work. So those are the four things, understanding, translating, executing, and storytelling. And after storytelling, you can, you, can, you know... Go back, back to and, understanding. Yes, jump back into the loop because storytelling probably has an effect. Okay, let's measure that. Let's <laughs> understand how it works and then you can, can loop back.
1: That's a good that's a good conceptual model to 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 take with us. So so understanding, translating, um, uh, realizing if I can translate that and storytelling. Yep. So that's a, that's a great four way strap. Yep. But it sounds to me that having a, um, a marketeer with all these four steps is like they would say in Dutch a ship with five legs Five pause yeah I know many marketeers but I know very few that have all these four steps or skill sets if you want to call them that yeah I, I think I think that's true it,
0: I think that's that's true for any uh, um, for any craft whether that's uh, 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 um, a business craft or a sports craft or or a uh, i don't know a theatrical craft or whatever it's 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 the people who have all the things that are needed to be really good are are kind of exceptional um and that's why i think also you don't need every market to be marketeer to be exceptional in all four things as long as you take that concept and try to build an organization where all those skills are 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 there uh, and sometimes you have marketers who are really good at two or, two or three of them, that's fine, as long as you have also other people in your team that are good at two or three different ones, and then the complementarity of the team can be really powerful.
1: Uh, oh, so, so, so actually what you have to do is you have to build an organization around these skill sets, and it doesn't mean that the marketeers need to have, well, it would be nice, that all four skill sets, but if they don't, at least build an organization, that has these four skill sets within the marketing department yep. uh, to deliver on the brands.
0: Yeah, and it, you know what? It's not even rocket science because if you look at any sports team, if you look at a football team or, or a soccer team or even people in a relay race, ideally, they should have... Comp- part of it should be similar. So in a relay race, everybody needs to uh, be able to run really fast. But you, 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 you typically choose the last runner to be the most fast or the most agile or the most, dri- most driven or uh, I don't have... That much knowledge about athletics, but also if you look at a football team, you need to have your people who are on the the offense. They have different skills than people in the defense, but they can all you know they can all play ball to a certain extent. I think that's the same for marketers. And uh, there's been a lot of talk about, for instance, a, a T-shaped profile that you need to know a lot about. You need to know a little about a lot of things, and you need to need to know a lot about a few things. I think that's also. Uh, that's also true. You don't need to be an expert in everything, but you need to be able to collaborate with the other experts and, and together you can, you can form a really powerful component. Um
1: Having said that, when, when I hear you talk and when I also hear you say, for instance, in the beginning about yourself that uh, you always wanted to be a marketeer or you thought you were good at being a marketeer from early on, uh, there are perhaps some skill sets that can be learned? And some skill sets that marketers perhaps need uh, from the outset to be good marketers, from the storytelling. Not everybody can tell good stories. Yeah, I I agree. And maybe it's also sort of attitudinal component, so attitude, something like
0: curiosity. It's difficult to teach a person to be curious. You either are curious or not. Um, So, and curiosity is, I think, an attitudinal component that's very important for you to want to understand. Of course. If you're not curious, you have no drive to understand anything. But no, I'm no. And, any that, it, idea. And, there's,
1: um, and how can you be a good marketer without understanding your consumer? So I totally agree. I mean, it starts with curiosity.
0: Yeah, not everybody might agree. eh? So there's a lot of marketeers out there. that say, I'm a really good marketeer because I can judge advertising or I have really creative ideas about advertising.
1: Okay. uh, With all all respect, they can be extremely good creative critics. They can be extremely good analytics. Although I'm not sure you can be a good analyst without a good uh, good curiosity, but it doesn't make them a good marketeer. A good marketeer needs to understand consumers. Yeah. Um, yes,
0: that's that's my that's my view. That's my experience. That the, the, the people who generally have the most impact in an organization and therefore make the organization impactful in the market are the people that, for some reason, can combine these four skill sets or these four sort of capacities. Uh, and,
1: and that is yeah? yeah. And if if we wheel back a little bit, then if we look at the role of uh, of marketing and uh, and branding, so. Uh, what can we do to make marketing be taken more serious with organizations? I mean, we see this time and again that marketing just cannot hold up against finance. Well, without good market research, which is part of marketing, uh, good without market, good communication, yeah. there is nothing to be sold. There is no company to run. No,
0: I agree. So what I found out when I moved from fast-moving consumer goods into finance, is that there was a different paradigm in, in uh, most of the financial companies I I ran into on looking at marketing. So, so what I found is there's basically, if you, if you drill it down, there's two schools of marketing. There's the school which I encountered in the finance world where, where basically marketing is the band-aid that needs to be used. If you have a very product oriented uh, way of working, You've, You you create a product, then you find out that you have to sell it. And then nobody's interested. And then you say, help marketing. Can you help me have a marketing trick or a marketing sauce and then to be able to sell it? So that's more marketing as a, as a assist to sell stuff that you have created based on your inside-out view, but not on your outside-in view. So, so basically a product orientation. Then you find out, oh, very, there's no customer for it. Let's use a marketing trick to find customers for it. That's one school. That's not the school that I adhere to, uh, that might not be a spread. <laughs> the other school is basically the Unilever type of thinking or the Coca-Cola type of thing. So the FMCG uh, uh, successful uh, company, type which as marketing is basically the way of thinking and, and doing business where you put your consumer first as the basis of everything that you want to do and your business goal at the end. So. It's, it's basically connecting all those things. So and that, that means that marketing then has an influence on in all the things that are in that internal value chain from starting with research, translating that to product ideas. Then you get a better product probably, which is more connected to consumer needs. That's easier to sell. But still you need to think about what's then the best price, uh, what's the best channel strategy, and what generates the best revenue. And so my view is that if you do these four things in marketing, and you translate that to all the P's which are inside of the marketing craft, then you are, part of the, you are an integral part of the business. And then I think your finance director will be your best friend. Also, because you will see your finance director as your best friend. Yes. Because you need a finance person to help you figure out what's the best pricing that can be both servant to markets, uh, market needs and market dynamics, but also servant to your internal company uh, requ- uh, requirements to make profit.
1: Yes, and he needs to sign off on investments. If you set up a campaign, you better prove to him uh, where the money is going,
0: or yeah. her. Yeah. yeah, I agree. And, uh, uh, and not just when signing off for advertising campaigns, but also building together what should be our, what's our best go-to-market strategy, what is the best way of distributing. I think finance is also very much involved in, okay, let's develop this other channel, what are the costs involved in that? Uh, Exactly. Don't sort of take your finance partner, uh, by the hand is not the right word, but if you don't really team up as equals with your finance partner, then you are uh, also not doing yourself justice or uh, maybe doing a disservice to your company.
1: Yeah, I I totally agree. I mean, to be a good marketeer, you have to also look, let's say it's a managerial cost accounting of your channels, of your campaign. At the end of the day, you could say we
0: are all business economics people. Uh, uh, and 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 have a holistic view on how do you run a business. And so my definition of marketing is it's just a way of running a business with putting the consumer and the consumer needs first, and 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 understanding that uh, in order for you to be to fill, fulfill your purpose or to be able to sort of make new products, new campaigns, you have to make a profit. Maybe that's not this, the the thing that most marketers jump out of bed for every morning. Uh, which is logical, I, I don't, I, I'm not motivated by profit, but I understand that if I don't make a profit, I don't even have, have life to be motivated. Yeah,
1: I mean, a, a, a no profit, no sustainable. The, the business is not yeah. sustainable. I mean, it's, 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 a, it's actually very simple and you, the way I like the way you put it as simple as that. And also- Yeah, what, I,
0: yeah, what I tell to my marketeers or to people say, yeah, but profit, profit is like breathing. Uh, so if you, if you there were, nobody gets out of bed to say, ah, I'm going to breathe today. That's really, I'm going to really have fun breathing. Today. Nobody, nobody does that. So it's not the purpose of your day, but if for some reason you don't, you cannot catch your breath, then the only thing about it, the only uh, thing you think about is, is how do I get my next breath? So, um, uh, if you don't make a profit, you, you can only think about making profit because otherwise you will die. Uh, but if you're only thinking about making profit, you're not making the best use of your life because then, you know, and that's the same with the business as well. If, you, if you're only out there to make a profit, you will probably not come up with the best products because they need to be in line with consumer needs. Um, but if you don't make a profit, then there's no way that you can spend any time on making good products because yeah. you don't have, the, uh, you don't
1: have the, the wherewithal to live. I think I'm going to quote you on that. Profit is like breathing. It's always a good good way to storytelling, one of the skill sets we just learned from you. So that also implies that if marketers need to be good business economic thinkers and doers, that means they should be schooled properly. And that means that we should put more effort into schooling marketeers. And I think we've seen it often is that uh, you either come from a good marketing school in practice, such as the large marketing driven companies, or you have a very good marketing background but you really need it otherwise you end up as a, you end up building communication departments that are just coloring yeah. departments yeah agree. templates and logos
0: agree um, and that starts with the recognition that marketing is a, is a, is a broader craft than just uh, you know the, the single parts of it so like communication or pricing or product development it's the whole thing it's the full Monty um and then also making sure that people get a proper education on on the parts but if you that's an interesting but if you if you start training just the parts without the bigger picture um then marketers can think about can can start to think ah this is this is what marketing is about it's all about i don't know digital uh digital tactics or it's all about communication Mm -hmm. where uh, as i said i think it's about the whole thing from from crossing every, uh, every uh, P, so for, uh, whether it's product or pricing or distribution. Um, and yes, also your, your promotional P, which is nowadays more integrated marketing communication um, than, just, than just your promotional
1: uh, Yeah, I, I, think, I, I think it's so relevant what you say. It's, let's say, the, first of all, the four P's are still relevant. Uh, they are, have been out of vogue for a while, but yep. you see that the simple principles are still there. And every yes. time we get caught, like in a previous discussion, I mentioned that uh, there is no such thing as influencer marketing. There is yeah. influence, there's influencing, but say, can you say a bit more about that?
0: Yeah, that's, the, um, I think we had an earlier conversation about that, that, that the marketing marketeers tend to do themselves an injustice or a disfavor with finding out, uh, inventing all new types of, terms to describe marketing yes uh, like influencer marketing or neuromarketing, marketing or design marketing or you know whatever you know uh, uh, part of marketing and then elevating it to you know by, by hyphen marketing um, that, that is a different sort of marketing what you create there is a very scattered image of what marketing is and you if you elevate subsets of the craft to saying this is the craft uh, then people get confused and people tend to think, ah, marketing, oh yeah, that's making commercials, right? No, it's a part of it, but it's not the only part. And it's an important part, make no mistake, branding is super important. But it's it's only one, one cog in the bigger machine. Um, and I think by having, you know, articles about, oh, uh, influencer marketing is the new marketing. No, uh, there's just <laughs> marketing. Influencer <laughs> yeah. marketing is a, is a part of it, which is, Becoming more possible and therefore more more important to look at, uh, but it's not a it's not a replacement. I think that's the. That's
1: the you just meant, when I mean, we were talking about about marketing, and branding, and almost interchangeably we use them in this conversation. Uh, we just mentioned branding a bit more. So, what is the role, according to you, of branding within marketing?
0: Um, I think there's two. So if you if you go back to the four skills or the four Mm -hmm. sort of competences yeah yeah competences where the brand is really important um maybe probably three but but two for sure one is in the translating so if you understand the consumer and if you understand market dynamics then you can probably think of ah the function of a brand in this particular market or this particular segment of this particular group of products is this uh and in essence what Branding does is they make a very... What branding does in essence is they lower the risk for consumers in their purchase because they know, ah, it's brand X. Mm-hmm. I trust them. I know something about them. They've always been a staple for this kind of characteristics So if I buy brand X, I don't have to worry about all these things. So for me, that's, a, that's basically what, what a brand does. It lowers, lowers a risk. Uh, but also what, what you see nowadays more in the last, I think, 20 years is that the brand doesn't just lower risk, it also increases satisfaction or it increases attractiveness because a brand stands for something which I want to be a part of. So if a brand stands clearly for, I don't know, uh, that could be quality, and that's really is still quite a rational characteristic or it stands for diversity or it stands for freedom, so they, get, they are getting more emotional. Um, then that's something that I really like, I want to be a part of. Then that is the other function of what the brand does. It creates a world of association which you can buy into and employ. So in 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 the uh, translation phase, branding is really important. What should the brand do what How should I translate that understanding mm-hmm. to to the elements that a powerful brand would need in this category and I think branding is super important also in storytelling part so where you where you exploit that idea or you translate that idea that you had in, in that phase to okay what's then the story that I want to tell? what is the best way of, of uh, showing or using symbols or using music or using something to communicate that value but also and that's more the sort of the hard part or the, no, the, the rational the the as opposed to soft part the hard part of, mm-hmm. uh, of branding being really clear and being really consistent in how do i show my brand so that you're really consistent and sort of down to in um, things like it should always be this color It should always be this type of music. It should be consistent in the way that the brand shows itself. So there, I think you have the brand guardianship and the brand uh, sort of inspiration that you have. So, uh, I think that answers, again, a long long answer to a short question, Martin. Uh, uh, Well, that's exactly
1: why we're here for. We first (laughs) simplified it and then we dig deeper and we see it's perhaps not as simple but this is a yes. good way to look at the ending or go to the ending of uh, of the show. Just yeah, if we if we let's say look at it, what are what you believe is the biggest issue in branding and marketing today,
0: and how can we? Oh, um, I think it's um, it's the uh, the ability for us to follow the quickly changing. Uh, possibilities that there are in marketing, whether they are on the technological front, so enabling new products, new services, or on the communication front, whether enabling new channels and new ways of communicating, while still staying true to the principles. So do not get lost in the new details and the new possibilities, but embrace and understand the new possibilities, but apply them to the simple principles that I think are still the foundational. So I think my, my, my invitation to most of the marketers would be don't get confused by all the new things that you can do. Understand the new things you can do, but always pin them back down to one of the four things that you can use.
1: Super. And last question. Who should we talk to next? Um,
0: I would actually... Recommend talking to some colleagues of mine on the board of the the, the Dutch Advertising Association. So,
1: mm-hmm.
0: well, I, people I really admire are, for instance, Arno de who is the CMO of the uh, Staatsloterij, so that's the, the this is the National Lottery. Uh, who really was able to create with his marketing team from a uh, governmental organization, because a lot of the gambling is is in, in governmental control as well. But to really make it a popular brand of the people, he really did a really Exceptional job also in, in, in positioning the several brands that they have. Um, another colleague of mine is Ajan van Triest, who was uh, also at Unilever, but is now the CEO of Fit Channel. Okay. And also believes in the simplicity of marketing while using all the new possibilities of, for instance, direct to consumer offering of, of uh, services.
1: Super. We'll see what we can do about that. Now, let's, well, I just want to thank you. Thank you all, great listeners. And if there's anything we have to remember, is keep it simple and look at understanding, translate, realize, and storytelling. That's a good way to simplify things. And it's a good way to end the show. Thank you, Theo, for joining us today and sharing your insights. And I also want to thank you all for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed our conversation and that you found it insightful. And if so, please share Branding Over Wine with friends and colleagues. And when you have a moment, we'd love to get your reviews or ratings. Hope to have you all listening in on our next podcast and have a great day.